Good morning, good morning, and welcome to El Paso Bible Church. It is good to see you guys, and looking forward to our time together as we worship God this morning, and we're encouraged by the teaching of his word. Uh, I forgot my bulletin out in the lobby, uh, but there is not much going on. Most everything is on break except for a youth group. Um, and uh, this is the week before VBS, so VBS is next Monday, and uh, if you, I think we have... You have enough volunteers, right, Priscilla? But if you would like to volunteer, I'm sure she could find something for you to do. So go ahead and talk to her. This is Priscilla over here. And, uh, and pray for that. Pray that we would uh, reach kids with the most important news ever, that you could have uh, everlasting life, eternal life by simply believing in Jesus Christ. Um, pray for the volunteers that, that uh, they would be encouraged as well as they serve and as they as a, uh, it's a, it's a big week for them, so uh, God would strengthen them as well. Um, and something that is not in your bulletin, but it, it is upcoming in a few weeks, is a, a, a youth group summer camp. Uh, for some reason, we haven't put it in the bulletin, um, but the teens know that we're going, so uh, would you pray for that as well, that everything would, would be well and go all right? Uh, we're going up to Cloudcroft, and we're going to be there a uh, full week in a apologetics summer camp, so... Uh, that's exciting for us, for them more so, not not so not much for me. <laughs> not really, it's fun for me too, but um, yeah, so pray for that. And uh, today I'm reading out of the Gospel of John, chapter 8, uh, verse 31 and 32. Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed him, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Shall we pray? Father, we thank you this morning for your love and thank you for the opportunity to come together as your body, as a church, and worship you. And we ask that we may be encouraged uh, by the teaching of your word this morning, that you place in our pastor's heart, and uh, that we would bring glory to your name by the songs we sing. It's in your son's name that we pray. Amen. Would you now stand with us for a time of worship?
was a payment, his life was a cause. We stood neath the dead we could never Sun goes down, good God. Oh. 
morning I see you You're shaking your head in disgrace I can read the disappointment Written all over your face Here come those whispers in my
Christ is my firm foundation, the rock on which I stand when everything around me shaken. I've never been more glad that I put my faith in Jesus, he's
Well, good morning. I hope most of, most of y'all are having the first week of summer break, basically, right now, right? What little you get left of it anymore. Jenny says they're not getting any. Y'all are homeschoolers, though. I got news for you. They don't get any breaks. We don't. We, we carry on as necessary. We're also homeschooling, but uh, we take breaks when we need to, not when the government tells us to. Am I allowed to say that out loud in public? Okay. All right. Uh, but good morning. Welcome. We have a couple things we want to make sure we talk about. Again, VBS is starting a week from Monday. Day after tomorrow, we're supposed to have the final inspection on our building right here. So we're hoping that that happens in that chronology because VBS is supposed to happen in that building. So that would be nice. Um, so add that to your prayer list over the next, you know, 48 hours or so, uh, that that goes smoothly. We have no reason to think otherwise. Um, it's gone, it's possibly the most inspected building in El Paso at this time, we think, maybe, probably, although I'm not sure that's a record anywhere that we want. Um, also, today we're welcoming Isabel Brooks. Raise your hand, Isabel. You don't have to stand up, Isabel. Isabel doesn't want to stand up, but she will show as a member today, uh, signed on the dotted line. Uh, a few weeks ago, we, um, we welcomed my son Micah uh, also, but he uh, I'm not sure. He did not remember that we had announced him. I think he was still under the pew at that time. Uh, he's been here a long time. He used to hide under the pew, and I'd mentioned his name, and he may have done that again. But both of them have joined, so welcome them uh, recently within the last few weeks. Um, so do that. Yeah, that's great. Uh, we, we like that. We like that uh, partly because then uh, the things that we're supposed to vote on, according to our Constitution, we actually get to vote on, right, when we have members that are signed on the dotted line. Um, you ought to ask Isabel. It's a very onerous and painful process to join El Paso Bible Church. Um, you have to meet with me uh, in person, tell me how you came to know the Lord, and then you meet with the elders and basically tell them the same thing um, and agree to follow the Constitution, right, uh, the, and the bylaws, the way that we do things, right, that we call that the, the no-stinker clause, right? This is the rules, this is what we've done, this is what we're doing, and that's how to do it. So it's pretty simple. Uh, children, you guys, I wanted you to be here for that announcement because it's important for the children to hear that sort of thing. Uh, but children, you guys can go to children's church. So I believe that our explorers are over here. That's our third through fifth grade. K through second goes through the back and around the hallway. And everybody's welcome to stay also. We always want to add the third option. Uh, Children's church is available, but not required at El Paso Bible Church. You wouldn't think we'd have to add that caveat, but apparently we do sometimes. Anyway, let's pray uh, before we begin our time in the Word. Father, we thank you for this day, and we thank you for your Word. We thank you for the promises that it contains. We thank you for the privilege that it is as your children to come and spend time in learning it and applying it to our lives uh, Father, we thank you for the gift of life that we have in which to do it and the, the gift of the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, which allows us to do that in ways that are unique to us as the church. And uh, Father, we do pray for the upcoming 
Vacation Bible School. We uh, pray also for favor in the upcoming uh, inspection uh, this week so that we can utilize that building uh, to your glory uh, that has been, uh, you know, a long-awaited project. And we thank you for your faithfulness in it and your faithfulness to us in it. Uh, Father, we pray again that you bless our time in your word today. And it's in your son's name we pray. Amen. So this morning we're going to be in First Peter. I just always have to check the screen. I don't do the, the slide, so, you know, if they tell me I've got to preach on something else, I'm, I'm, I want to make sure what, what the slide says. Um, somebody asked me, did you know what they had on the slide on Mother's Day? Nope, I didn't. <laughs> I presume it was my sermon title like it normally is. Um, but um, it said something about aliens, which is the title of this series, Choice Aliens. Uh, and we've talked at length at this point uh, what the, about what that means, right? That we are choice because of who we are in Christ and what purpose and plan he has for us in this time, in this place, in serving his purposes in ministry and in our vocation as a local body. And so I'm not going to review all of that again. That is on record. That is the beauty of technology is you, if you don't remember, you could go back and look. There's an adequate record of that. Uh, but we're getting to the point where we simply can't review everything. And you didn't think I ever got to that point, did you? Yeah, I review a lot. I review a lot on purpose. Um, I review a lot on purpose for my sake as much as for your sake. Uh, but at some point we are stopping to review e every point. Uh, we shouldn't lose sight of that definition, though, because it is the audience, essentially, all the way through, and so we're going to continue to keep that at the forefront, who we are in Christ and what Christ has for us to do in God's plan on this earth. And that's something we all need to keep ahead, you know, right in front of our eyes as we make our choices in life, as we go about our day, because we also need to be cognizant of the alien part that our citizenship is ultimately not here, that our rights, our privileges, our inheritance exists in the future and in a different place uh, for us to possess, reserved and ready for us. Now, that, that dual identity, right, this is not, you know, <laughs> this is not dysphoria. This is a dual identity, right? This is not us thinking something about ourselves that is not true. It is a legitimate, actual, literal, dual identity uh, that we live here, but our citizenship is in heaven, that we are born human, but we are children of God by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. And because of that legitimate dual identity, we have certain blessings and certain privileges and certain responsibilities that go along with that dual identity. A long list of them that Peter starts with. And again, you can review those. But we have blessings and we have truths, realities that are accurate statements of who we are and what we're supposed to be doing. We have an inheritance to which we can look with expectation that is already ready, that is reserved, and for which we are protected until we receive it. We have responsibilities. We have responsibilities. We are responsible to love one another from the heart. One of the imperatives there. We are responsible to love one another from the heart. Um, there are a lot of necessary 
what some people call good and necessary applications, inferences, speculations that you could say there. If you are to love one another, one of the good and necessary things that you have to presume about that is that you need to know one another, be familiar, recognize people, um, which means that you should frequent fellowship with other believers in the local body of Christ if you intend to love another person or be loved. Yeah? See how that's necessary? I may, I may hypothetically love the dude walking down the sidewalk, but I don't know him, so I don't know how to sacrificially lay down my own personal interests for the sake of his interests. I can only do that for somebody that I know, right? Y'all aren't agreeing. Guys, I'm right. It's okay. All right, so that's okay. I'm right on this one. There is a minimal standard at which you can meet by telling that person about Jesus, because you know everybody needs to know about Jesus. But in the sense that Peter is talking about here, the one and others within the body, you need to be known and to know others in order to do that. Additionally, one of our responsibilities is to long for the Word, the pure milk of the Word, as a newborn infant. Um, and in the context of that passage, remember that we said that that is a matter of choosing what we are not going to be bored by, right? That you're going to choose not to be bored by the thing you're supposed to long for, the pure milk of the Word as it is taught and presented as you read it and apply it and use it in your life. And then finally, related to those first two, keep your behavior excellent among the nations. Keep your behavior excellent among the nations, among the Gentiles, some translations say. So let's continue. I have a quick, quick review here. Chapter 2, verse uh, 13. I'm reading from the New American Standard, but it should be pretty similar to what you have in front of you, as long as it's an English translation. Some people don't use English translations in here. But submit yourselves to the, for the Lord's sake to every human institution, to a king as the one in authority, or to governors as one sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and the praise of of righteous doers are those who do right. You might remember uh, my opinion of the translation of that word, hupotasso, as submit. Um, And that's kind of wishy-washy, right? Submit is kind of a subjective standard the way that we use it. Um, I have heard, you remember, right, from Ephesians 5, submit, wives, submit to your husbands, kind of wishy-washy frankly, because a lot of people will say, well, that means that I can have a knockdown drag out as long as I let him win in the end. And I have legitimately heard people say that. That is an abuse of that text. And to say that hupotasso as submit allows you to do the same thing, understand, because y'all are going to be surprised when I say this. It means to obey. It does not have a subjective line. It means to obey within the divinely instituted order of the entities that are involved. Now, that's a key qualification. We're going to talk about why that's a key qualification in a moment. Hupotasso means to obey within an established order, right? 
Uh, we have military veterans and currently serving military guys. They're very limited, very, very limited situations in which you don't obey commands, correct? There are legitimate means. There are things outside the institution of the authority structure that is established by the Constitution and chain of command here in which you can do that. But you don't get to fight about it either. You just do it. Obey. The human institutions. It's the same word in Ephesians 5. Hupatasa means the same thing, right? Earlier in Ephesians 5, he says, obey one another. And then all the way down through 6, 9, Paul explains in Ephesians how it is, what it looks like to obey one another within the established order. Okay? Doesn't change that. Um, a lot of people teach out of Ephesians that that is mutual submission and that is cheap chicken baloney because Paul doesn't leave that option open. It is not mutual submission. Husbands are not taught to submit to their wives any more than children. Or parents are supposed to submit to their children. Amen, parents? Yes? yes. Y'all are parents, some of you, right? You are not told to submit to your parents. Mutual submission is foreign to Scripture, foreign to Ephesians 5. Slave, masters are not supposed to submit to their slaves. That's not the way that that works. That's not the what is communicated in that text. There is an established divine order that Scripture demands obedience within. That's true. The order is never reversed in any of those situations. None. It's inflexible. This is not flexible, but the order is a little bit different, right? Those are human relationships, human covenants. So I explained to people, uh, this is different, right? Uh, the marriage covenant defines a unique relationship. I tell people frequently that there is only one human being with whom I am in a covenant relationship exclusive of all others, all other input, demanding allegiance and loyalty on this earth, and that is my wife. And I will discard every human relationship required in order to uphold that. Absolutely. Cold turkey. Completely. So keep that in mind. I'm, just I'm not warning you. Just a matter of fact. But you were not born into a covenant relationship with the United States government. Now, were you? Yeah? I mean, there are people that choose. We have citizenship ceremonies. We have people here who have gone through citizenship ceremonies in the United States. And in a sense, they have made a covenant agreement to be naturalized. But most of us who were born here were just born here. And Paul doesn't say it's a condition of your covenant. He says, obey the human institution. You didn't choose, choose to be born here, but you still have this responsibility to the king as one who has authority or to governors as sent by him. That's the order. Um, the president of our United States does not give you a speeding ticket. Right? I mean, I'm not sure if the president of the United States can actually drive anymore, but he has a hard time walking. I mean, I'm not trying to be mean, but, but you wouldn't expect any president of the United States to come and give you a traffic ticket, but the, the ticket, generally speaking, is probably still valid. Right, the authority has been delegated down. Uh, Peter doesn't argue with that. The governor sent by him or the king's authority, it can be delegated, and we're supposed to submit to the structure of either the primary or delegated authority within 
the divine institution of human government. That's not news to you. None of y'all looked one bit surprised when I said that. That's okay. I'm not here to present novelty for its own sake. I don't know if y'all figured that out yet. I am not interested in presenting novelty for novelty's sake at any point in my ministry. But you know this. If you are an anarchist, you might disagree, but you're going to have a hard time talking about the Bible if you're a straight-up, real, honest-to-goodness anarchist. I myself am what I would call a minarchist. A minarchist. Minimal, small, small as possible, out of my face, smallest as possible. Okay, so don't, don't get upset yet. But if you're an anarchist here, don't raise your hand right now. Come talk to me afterwards and we'll have a chat. Uh, Peter doesn't recognize straight-up anarchy as a legitimate biblical option. Uh, he recognizes government as a divine institution, and he says that human exercise of that is legitimate. And so we're supposed to do that. That's not news. But most people forget part of this verse, and they forget the same part of the verse in Romans 13, where there is an, a description of the purview of human government. There is an established purview of human government, and it is limited. All right? Just warning you what it says. We already read it. Whether to the king is the one in authority, or governors are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and the praise of those who are right doers. That is the purview the rightful realm of human government. That's the role. Punishment of those who are, well, I won't even say it because of the cognate in Spanish, evildoers and rightdoers. I've said it before, so you guys can chuckle in memory of when I've said bad in Greek. That's their purview. That's their role. It is to punish evildoers, and to praise the doers of right. What does that tell you? What does that tell you? See, most people stop, submit to the government. Submit to the government. But they ignore the fact that the divinely instituted form of human government has strict and absolute limitations. And limited government is the biblical standard when it comes to human government. How limited? Well, we can talk about that. I like human government like I like my POAs on life support, comparative to most people. Now, you may realize, and you want to, everyone wants to talk about this now. This is popular. Everyone wants to talk about the fact that Really, our government does the opposite in a lot of cases, don't they? We're in Pride Month, and they're not talking about your education or your degrees. They're not using the rainbow to declare that God's not going to have a universal flood on the globe anymore. How much money is being spent to glorify wickedness in this nation and making you pay for it? You don't want to know. 
You don't want to know. It's in, behind stacks and stacks and stacks of very sloppy accounting, most likely. But eventually, it won't even do that. But you need to understand that that is outside the purview of God's institute, institution excuse me, of human government. And you may want to talk about that a lot, uh, that the government is doing the exact opposite of what God has demanded that they do. Anyone ever been praised for doing what is right by the government? Very limited. It's much more common for them to praise evil. They've fallen down on both ends of that and, in fact, have started to just redefine evil as righteousness. That will bring judgment from God. He judges nations on that basis. Absolutely. He has done it a long time. And, uh, guys, if you... I would encourage you, I know that it's tough on Sunday mornings, but y'all come to Sunday school because we talk about stuff like this at a little more length. Um, That is the entire record of the later part of the Torah, which we've been focusing on Sunday school now for a couple of years. God's judging of nations. Nearly every government, human government, eventually descends down that path. It is the nature of the thing. It brings judgment on a country, and it will, we will not escape it. We will not. God is not mocked, folks. But that actually, I'm not trying to be a pessimist, but that ship has sailed, to be frank. You're not going to turn the ship around in 2024. I don't care who you vote for. I mean, I do care who you vote for. But ultimately, you are not going to fix at least a century and probably a quarter of movement towards a government that is outside of that purview in one election or even 10 elections because government just doesn't retract You know that, right? What do they talk about when they say they're lowering taxes? Have you ever heard them explain how they're lowering your taxes, even the conservatives? They're just slowing the growth rate, aren't they? They're not actually cutting your tax rate. They're cutting the anticipated growth of your tax rate. Regardless. Regardless. I think that ship has sailed. That's not something you need to stay up late at night over. Okay? What do you do in light of a government that does that? And that is also answered in this text. That is also answered. Here's why it matters, why it matters to me, uh, because I was taught, I was taught frequently, dang near beaten over the head with at certain times, because that's how, at least how stubborn I was perceived to be growing up. Can I say that? I won't say that was necessarily stubbornness. You know the difference biblically between stubbornness and steadfastness, right? Stubbornness is just when you're wrong. Steadfastness is when you're right. Amen. Amen. So I think I was steadfast even then. But some people would have identified me as stubborn, and they would have told me and taught me, and I'm sure you've been taught, that you are supposed to obey the government and everything that it commands you to do as long as it is amoral. 
You know, the difference between moral, immoral, and amoral. Yeah, moral is the right thing. Amoral is the evil thing. Amoral is something that has neither one of those qualities. It's just benign. Most of the taxes that you pay would be defined as amoral by most teachers in most evangelical churches for the past hundred years. That is not true. We already talked about what they're making you pay for, right? Is that amoral? That is not amoral. They're using your money now because Roe versus Wade got struck down to try to legislate and make a law that codifies something that was not codified, that was just presumed to be true because the Supreme Court made a law from the bench. How much of your money is going to pay for that? You don't want to know, but it's a lot. It's a lot. I was told for years and years and years that I had to submit to things that everybody else said were amoral functions of government. Amoral functions of government. And that the godly thing to do is to simply obey. And this passage doesn't teach that. This passage teaches that you are to obey within a divinely instituted order and gives confines for that order. And the order is that the government's purview does not include amoral things. It's limited. It's limited to those to punish evildoers and to reward righteous doers. Now, am I missing a third category in that phrase? Anybody? Everybody's looking at the ceiling now. They don't want to answer. Am I missing a third category? Where's amoral in there? It doesn't exist. Those are the confines. Now, you could say that that's some kind of an Oreo, that the amoral is in between the righteous and the evil, but it's not. It's not there. If I got an Oreo like that where the cream was not in the middle, I'd be upset. Yes? I mean, got some Oreo fans in it. The only store-bought cookie that I like is the Oreo. And if I got one that looked like that without the cream in the middle, I'd be mad. Yes? All right. It's not there. That's not the divinely instituted purview of human government. The divinely instituted purview of government is far, far, far more limited than that. Why does that matter? Because the way that the government gets you to acquiesce to immorality is by slapping a bunch of bureaucracy and crap on your shoulders that is perceived to be amoral. And then using the money they rob from you with amoral mandates to pay for immorality. That is why the biblical standard for government is limited. I didn't hear any amens on that one. I'll just assume they were in your head. That's okay. The biblical standard for the divinely instituted purview of human government is limited government. And the way that they get you to agree to fund, pay for, and even participate in immorality is simply to burden you 
with bureaucratic standards that habituate you and me and acclimatize us to thinking, well, it's them, it can't be that wrong. Because it's the will, in our country, it's the will of the people. I believe it was John Adams that said our Constitution is adequate for the governing of a moral people and is insufficient for any other. If the people do not know what is right, then no law will be able to govern them, is the idea. Piles and piles and piles of bureaucracy and amoral laws is the manner in which government ultimately gets their way. And defining morality and immorality as much as getting you to participate in it. They do, make no mistake, want to define what is evil and what is right. They do. They're doing it every day. How many of you have been called a bigot by the federal government in public, out loud, with their out loud voices? All of you, I hope, by this time, if you're not on the list of bigots that get defined by the federal government, I'd be a little embarrassed. Frankly, I should have prefaced this whole sermon. Some of y'all aren't going to like me when we get done. That's okay. Some of y'all don't like me now. That's okay. I'm not here to be liked. <laughs> I'm here to put whipped cream on your week with a cherry. We're trying to make sure that we are adhering to our choice alien purpose as El Paso Bible Church. They want to define what is legal and illegal. That's not even a, a, I mean, excuse me, moral and immoral by what is legal and illegal. And that's not even an enumerated power in the Constitution, much less within the purview of the divine institution. Now, why does that matter? Why does it matter how we understand that? Because the prevailing opinion of what you're supposed to do in terms of government being limited or unlimited or what you support or who you vote for or what you acquiesce to and what you're committed to, that view is a, an absolute plague in evangelical churches in this country. It is an absolute plague and if I were not so nice, I would say that churches are full of a bunch of bootlickers in this country, pastored by a bunch of bootlickers, who become simply agents of the government. I know you don't like that phrase. I'm sorry a little that I hurt your feelings. I could come up with worse ones. that don't know when it is that they are to say no. I will not do that. My church will not do that. We will not do that. At least my family will not do that. And when you say that, the government will say, well, it's our job, and this is amoral anyway. Do y'all legitimately think that the government legalizing homosexual marriage was amoral? Because that's what they're saying. They'll just look you straight in the face and tell you that that is not a moral mandate 
that you need to get your business out of our business. And what goes on in that relationship is simply what goes on and it's none of your dang business whether it brings brimstone on a country or not. Remember, that's not your destiny. You are not destined for wrath, but nations get judged quite regularly as nations. It matters, and it matters that we don't follow that particular crowd. I've never actually been called a bootlicker in my life. I take that as a point of pride, particularly in ministry. And there are a lot of those guys pastoring churches and attending churches in this country and the world over that won't acknowledge the role of government and the necessity of limited government by biblical standards. But they believe, they keep telling themselves on a daily basis, I'll grow a spine when I need one. I'll grow a spine when I need one. This isn't the line. The line is out there, but this isn't the line. I have told my sons since they were in diapers, boys, you cannot grow a spine overnight. You cannot grow a spine for anything important overnight. You must begin today making wise decisions and growing a spine today, today, and ascertaining what is right and what is wrong and where the government is right and where it is wrong. Nobody grows a spine overnight, gentlemen, and I am talking to you men particularly. Also, no one does. That is one of the reasons I believe the Scripture limits the purview of the divine institution of human government so that you know exactly where it is that God has required you to obey and where to disobey. And I don't let the government just say, well, that's not a moral issue as the determining line for that. Any more than I would walk into a prison and ask how many of you are innocent, right? They say that everybody's innocent in prison, right? I'm going to walk into Congress and ask who's righteous. A bunch of liars anyway. <laughs> what are you going to find out? Don't grow a spine overnight, guys. But Scripture continues, right? He doesn't just say do, uh, these things, right? For such is the will of God. This is the will of God. This is what we're supposed to be doing. This is what we're supposed to be obeying. Such is the will of God that by doing right, you may silence the ignorance of foolish men. Wouldn't that be nice? If all the fools would just shut up? Yeah? That'd be nice. How do you do that? Do you argue with them on the internet? I mean, that's kind of fun. But it's not effective. Do you argue with them face-to-face? -face? Don't bother. Do you protest? A lot of people went down to the courthouse and protested when homosexual marriage became the law of the land, permissible. What good did it do? Did it make them talk less loudly? No. It just made them more gleeful when the protests just stopped because you don't have time to do that every day for the rest of your life. 
It is that we do what is right. It is the doing of the right that silences the foolish, ignorant men. Man, the world would be a better place if we had a little more silence of that type, yeah? No one said you're right, Pastor, but I'll assume you're saying it in your head again. It's okay. Yes, by the doing of what is right. How do you do what is right? It's not by allowing the federal government to tell you when to do it or when not to do it. It's not by allowing any elected official to tell you when something is moral, amoral, or immoral. It is by knowing what is right and doing what is right Act as free men. Verse 16, we're almost done. Act as free men and do not let you, excuse me, do not use your freedom as a covering for evil, but use it as bond slaves of God. Act as free men, choice alien free men, we could say, to do what is right. To do what is right. Use your freedom to silence the ignorance of foolish men. That's within the purview of doing what is right. Act freely. Many people have certain freedoms. Uh, in El Paso, a large percentage of the population actually works for the government, federal government. Um, and the government would say to you as an agent of them, as their agent, their employee, you have this level of freedom to do this number of things or this character of things. What this tells you guys is that no matter what institution of government or business or whatever tells you you have freedom to do, the standard is what God says. The standard is what does God say is right, period. Not what does the government let me do. No amount of freedom conveyed in this life by God is intended for evil. None. It's a freedom to do what is right, what is noble, what is beautiful, agathos, all within there. Morally upright, high character behavior. Honor all people. Love the brotherhood. Fear God. And honor the king. Notice the sandwich. Where are God and all people? I mean, where's the king and all people? Tamao. Honor. On both ends, both sides of the Oreo. See, this Oreo has the filling. I like it. I like that Oreo. Tamao. Honor means to give somebody what they're due. Jesus supported that, right? Render unto Caesar what is Caesar's. Pay the temple tax. Pay the tax. Honor people. Honor them because they are image bearers of God. Honor the king because there is a purview that God has instituted for human authority and government. But the highest standards are in the middle. 
fear God, remember reverential worship, phobos, towards God, revere him, and love the brotherhood. That's the kind of love that's, boy, that's a great song. (laughs) It's not biblical, but if you were born in my generation, you love it. I thought that was your phone, Becky. Don't you have that ringtone? Oh, that was your phone. I thought it was her phone. You could tell when Becky Holmes walking down the street because her phone goes off like that. It's the only ringtone I've ever heard, but that's all right. But we're not going to sing that to close this morning, partly because none of your ranges can hack it, and mine can't either. We'd have to drop it down three octaves. Fear God. Reverential worship is, is, is directed only towards Him. Love the brother at agapao, right? And we... The various forms of love have been made overly distinct, I think, in the Greek language, but there is a distinction. God's love is described as agape love, sacrificial love, love that leads an individual to lay down their lives for the sake of another as a friend and a brother. And the two priorities in this statement, the highest priorities, worshiping God, loving the brotherhood. So if you're going to do what is right, those are your priorities. Do what is right. Do what is right. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day. Uh, We thank you for your word and for the admonition, as well as the, the confines of your admonition, Father. And we thank you that we are not simply left to guess when human institutions of government have um, overstepped their bounds, but that we are always called to do what is right and that you are the definition of what is right and the definer of right behavior. We thank you for that, for the clarity and the directness of it. And it's in your son's name we pray. Amen. Will you stand with us? We'll dismiss with a song. You say you'll love your song forever That your mercy never stops So why would I assume you'd be somebody That you're not like sun in the morning I know you're gonna be there every day So what on earth make me be afraid Good God